0: Growing Pains, i.e. Parenting podcast, in association with Safe Food, helping you make better food choices. Hi, I'm Irene Feehan and welcome to Growing Pains, the Irish Examiners parenting podcast series in association with Safe Food. With me today is child psychotherapist, Dr. Joanna Fortune, who writes a column for our IE Parenting section out every Tuesday and online. Joanna is the author of the 15 Minute Parenting books, and she also hosts a 15 Minute Parenting podcast series. For the next 20 minutes, we'll be talking about playful parenting. Joanna, you're very welcome to our studio. Thank you, Irene. Joanna, you believe play is not a box of toys in the corner of a room, but it's a state of mind. Could you tell me more about this playful way of being?
1: yes and i do i think that play is a state of mind because the the toys the box of things in the corner of the room they're props they might facilitate and enable play but play is more than that it's a relational experience so it comes from within us and when i talk about playful parenting that's really what i'm speaking about because parenting is a relational experience it's about connection and play fuels connection and that is connection within ourselves in relation to other people and within the environment around us. And so play is the way that we will get to strengthening and enhancing our connection with our children.
0: Now, you often say the parents need to start with themselves. So what about that playful experience they have of themselves growing up or even on a day to
1: day basis? You know, one of the best ways that any of us have to discover our own unresolved issues is to become a parent. Our children are of us. They will bring issues we didn't even know we had screaming to the surface. So often people find that the reality of parenting, you know, surprise, surprise, doesn't align with the fantasy or how we imagined it might be. And a lot of that reality, it stems back to not so much how we were parented, but moreover, how we experienced being parented by our own parents. And what I mean by that is you could take me and all of my siblings mm-hmm. and ask us to speak about our parents and we would describe, similar Seemingly very different people because we experienced that parenting differently so it's what we carry from those early childhood experiences ourselves that is going to be the greatest influence in how we you know parent our own children and what we want is that those experiences good bad and indifferent can inform how we parent rather than impede Okay, and then you just talk about
0: your own experiences then
1: in terms of growing
0: up as a child and then how you actually transfer those onto your own children. How do we bridge that gap?
1: Yeah, because I often think, especially when it comes to our children's behaviour or those things that make us snap as parents, and I'm saying that as an absolute because we all have things Mm. that, you know, irritate us or are the trigger moment for us. And that's not really what our children are doing or saying in that moment. But it is moreover what gets activated within us by their doing and saying it. So it always comes back to starting with our own activations. But you have to understand those. That's not something you go, Ah, well, that'll be this moment I had in childhood. (laughs) So I, you know, in the work that I do around 15 minute parenting, I invite parents to sit and do a reflective exercise, the parental self audit. And that is about going back and really re-engaging. And for some of us, it might be the first time we've gone that far back in Mm. a very long time. And for others of us, we're more in touch with that. Oh, sure, look at I know where that comes from. I know where it stems from. But to go back and think about, you know, what was it like for me growing up? You know, what was my relationship with my mother like, and how was that the same or different to how my relationship with my father was like? And then even other things that we might not really think mattered, but we do, like little things like how did you experience your first separation from your parents? And I don't mean, you know, that you were off for an afternoon in granny's house, Mm -hmm. but a separation where it was at least a day and one night. How was that for you? How was that point of separation saying goodbye marked with and for you? And how was the point of reunification coming back? And what did it feel like within the separation? Equally, how was sickness managed when you were a childhood? You know, when you had to take a day off school, was it, you know, you're fine, go on in there, you'll be grand? Or was it you got to lie on the sofa and have your duvet and you were minded and taken care of? And how did you experience all of those pieces? So the Parental Self Audit will invite parents to examine some of that. And within that reflection, we will find our story we will find the story of how we experienced being parented. We're also going to look at other things within that, you know, in terms of how did you experience joy? How, how was your play celebrated or invited for you as a child? You know, how old or young were you when you were told, now stop that silliness, it's time to, you're a big girl now or a big boy now, grow up and was that too soon? I think for most of us, it's too soon. We we stop playing too soon. And then when it comes to parenting our own children, I think one of the healthiest ways we can say, well, OK, Joanna, you know, what can I do when I go back and trudge through all of that stuff? What do I do with it? Just pause and ask yourself, how do you wish it had been? We accept how it was, but how do I wish my distress my sickness, my play, my silliness, my behaviour, whatever it was, how do I wish that had been responded to? And what difference would that have made for me? Let that be your starting point when it comes to parenting your own children. So
0: that informs how you'll be with your child. You reflect on your own experience and say, what can I learn from that? And how can things be different?
1: Exactly. With, you with know, so child. in that way, it is informing us, but mm. it's no longer impeding us. It's not getting in our way, but it's actually opening up a pathway to say, OK, I know what didn't work for me. I also know what did work for me. And within that, I'm identifying the type of parent I'm choosing to be now.
0: OK. You talk about play as a language for children and how they develop an understanding of themselves and the world around them. So tell us a little bit more about developing that language with children.
1: Oh, yes. I I think, you know, we often in In Western society, more than anywhere else, we tend to relegate play to the realm of childhood. It's something that children do. And even more so, it's something little children do. When actually play has a role throughout the trajectory of our lives. It's something that we need, no matter how old we are, because it is that universal language. And if you've ever been out of country on holidays, or do you know what? Even if you were holidaying within Ireland and you met families who were, you know, visiting from another country and you watched children playing, And they may not speak the same language at all, but they all just settle in and they play. And you know why? Because play is their language and it is a universal language the world over. But while parents and children, we seemingly speak the same language, you know, in in Ireland, we're speaking English primarily to our children. Actually, there's a, a sort of chasm between us that separates us. And to bridge that gap, we use play. Because our children don't know what it's like to be an adult, but we adults do know what it's like to be a child. Very good. We may not have thought back on that for a long time, but play is the way that we will get back there. And if you're listening and going, oh goodness, you know, I'm no good at that play stuff. Do you know who's an expert at play? Your child. So you can follow their lead. You, If you want to know what's going on for them, if you want to have that moment of meeting, that true connection with them, sit on the floor and play with them follow their lead, take their cues, be curious about the story and then what happened and oh my goodness and then this and don't allow reality to get in the way because Mm -hmm. one of the beautiful things about play is that anything is possible and in that I think we learn so much about our children. I often think, you know, if we want to know how our children's day has been, be that in school, be it in, you know, childcare, be it in holiday camps, whatever, how was your day? Children are kind of done with the Q&A part of their day at that stage and you'll get that kind of grand or a grunt or a sound. But if you really want to know how it was, watch them playing because that's where they work things through. It's where they take the experiences of their day. They play them at that degree of separation. It's not happening so much with me, but with the toys or within this play and they deepen their understanding of it. That's our in. That's where we see what's going on. And there's something about following the lead of the child as yes. well. So you're
0: not putting your agenda in front and centre.
1: Absolutely. And I often think with play and especially when it comes to playful parenting, it's really understanding. It's like a gear shift in a car. Mm-hmm. Where possible, follow your child's lead in the play. That's your insight. Where necessary, step in and do play with purpose. If I have something that I really want to address or explore or better understand, I might set up a little narrative, a little story, get the little, you know, the little dinos or the trucks, trains or dollies, whatever it is, mm. and I might start a story. For example, let me give you a specific example of that. If if your child and we're just back to school now, so this is what's going to be coming up. If you're aware, gosh, something isn't working for them on the playground. And I know they go out and I know they start playing with this child and that child and then something happens and it all goes awry I might sit down and play out the bit of the story that I know with the little dollies or the doll's house characters play it out and then pause and say to my child now you tell me what happens next in this game or in this story and they pick it up and play it out and in that I'll say oh I see what happens. It's about sharing. It's about turn-taking. It's about ideas or that they want to have overt control in the story. That's where things are going wrong. The next time I play, I might play out a, a schoolyard story in the way I'd like it to go. It should be short. It should be succinct. You know, there's a clear beginning, middle end, and I play it out a number of times. So, so the next time my child is getting activated on the playground, they have this other story they can default to with alternative options. So you're using play with purpose in that context. Can
0: we talk about the stages of developmental play then with children? Because you, you say they It breaks down in
1: three main areas. It really does. And there are lots of ways of understanding play. But I like this because it helps us as parents to know what went well for our children. Where might there be some gaps and what might the story of those gaps be? And actually, we're playing from the very beginning. So from infancy up to about three and a half, possibly four for some children. I wouldn't Mm. worry about six months either side of this. What's what matters is they do it and there's no such thing as too much of any of these stages of play but the first stage is really about sensory, tactile, touch-based exploratory play. You know, this is about the sand, the water, the bubbles, the finger painting, the play the music. And by music, I really do mean banging your pots and pans. You know, you don't be afraid of the noise. Oh, don't be afraid of noise. It's, it's more than noise for them. Something else is happening. Because in that first stage of play, they're really developing an understanding that there is a world outside of them. They have a skin that contains them and marks where they end and the world and people outside of them begin. So this is also where our children are, you know, initially crashing and thundering into things. It's almost like if you could imagine there were two pathways out of the room and one is hot coals dead in front of them. And to the right or to the left is feathers they could walk over. They just walk right through those hot coals. It takes a while to realise, oh, I need to be aware of the environment and things outside of me. And this touch-based exploratory play is a really good way to do it. This is a stage of play where you know by looking at your child what they've been playing. It's all over them, your walls you know, the table. It's messy, but it's important that we welcome our children's mess at this stage, because if we can invite that mess in and show them that we can welcome it, receive it, contain it and make meaning of it with them, later on, when they're much older, they will feel more confident and comfortable bringing us their internal chaos and mess. So as as above, so below. Exactly that. Exactly mm. that. And this stage of play is all about that. It's also though where they're you know they're understanding that people are forever you know even if I don't see you when you go to work or you're separated from me I can hold you in mind and be held in your mind and safe in that connection that we're coming back together so think of play like peekaboo Mm. Think of, you know, that rhythmic and soothing lullaby-esque tone we tend to use when speaking to young children. All of that's very important. We play with dancing, we do repetition because it's a great way for them to learn, but rhythm and synchrony trigger the parts of our brain associated with emotional regulation. Quite literally think of it as getting in sync. Okay, with the child. And then we have the story and narrative stage then. So now they're the ripe old age of three and a half, coming into four. And what you see is a shift in their play where they begin to explore the world outside of them now. So, what was happening internally is happening outside. It's that small world play I just mentioned when you're Mm -hmm. trying to deepen understanding. They have the toys talk to each other. This stage of play is really important because, in order to do that over and back, that serve and return between characters, I have to be able to hold two perspectives in mind at the same time about the same same thing. That's the beginning of developing my capacity for empathy, critical thinking, solution focused thinking, reciprocity, turn taking, the rules for general civility are beginning, not that they nail it at four, of course, but Mm. it's beginning to get laid down here. So they take these and it's usually something that they know in their life. You know, one character might say, go to bed and the other one goes, oh, but I'm thirsty (laughs) and it's not time for a drink. They'll play out something they've experienced in a way at this degree of separation that allows them to deepen their understanding of it. But it's a beautiful, rich stage of play and it's really important that they get a lot of this. Their language is really well developed at this stage too. Exactly, It really is. And it's, it's further developing. So you'll see what starts with two characters talking to each other. They'll begin to bring in other people and, you know, broader stories and narratives. So all of a sudden it's multiple perspectives in mind. That's so important when it comes to managing peer relationships, managing myself in school, taking instruction from others that I can go, well, I don't really want to sit down and do my work, but I understand that if I do that now then I get to go out to play and that's how this works you know they're able to slow down again they're developing the capacity at this age rather than having it developed this whole the three stages of play lead into each other and it is not until they've gone through all three of them that they're capable of emotional self-regulation before that they're co-regulating with us the important grown-ups in their lives the process
0: and so on then to the third stage the role play which I think is fascinating we can learn here
1: role play is so important but you know and especially in more modern parenting i think because we have access to those beautiful dress-up costumes which are lovely and costume play is perfectly lovely there's nothing wrong with it but we shouldn't confuse it with developmental role play because if i put on elsa from frozen's dress i am elsa from frozen i play out her story. I follow that cartoon or that book, whatever character you might be thinking of that your child loves dressing up as. And that means that the prop is deciding what my play is. Developmental role play comes at it from the other perspective. So it is that the play decides what the prop is. So think about it in old school dress up terms. Old shirts, old handbags, a dressing gown, a large scarf or piece of material. A large scarf could be a picnic blanket. It could be a magic carpet. It could be a superhero cape. It could be a blanket for a dolly. It could be a shawl. It could be a bandage for an arm. And my play is in enriched by the endless possibilities of what it can be. the power of the imagination then. Exactly. It is a more dramatic stage of play. Mm. So I tend to play out roles in the more bigger, badder way. So, you know, if your child is playing at school and they are being a really loud, aggressive, cruel teacher, don't assume that's the teacher they have in school. They're wondering if I was in charge, how big and bad could I be? How far could I stretch this? This is about the beginning, the beginning and the ongoing role of pushing boundaries, testing Mm -hmm. limits and wondering what is it like to be the one who decides? Because we forget that young children, very little is actually with within their control in the world. The world is for bigger people. So they have to do as they're told, follow the leads of others, play enables them to experience it from the other point of view so to take that kind of control and create their own narratives which is really important and this role play stage what age are we talking about well we're really looking at the beginning it's infancy to about three and a half again I wouldn't worry if it's four then the second stage is going to take us up to about five and a half and Mm. the third stage brings us to that ripe old age of seven and it's not like you know they wake up on the morning of their seventh birthday and it's like nailed it I'm good to go now (laughs) because we're talking about develop mental age rather than chronological. So you could have a seven-year-old who's emotionally or psychosocially, they're more five. I would then expect them to be playing like a five-year-old. I wouldn't worry about that. Some children in this early stage of development take a little bit longer to reach that independent stage of self-regulation. But it's important that we understand that it's only by going through those stages, like I said, that they can self-regulate. I think often we expect too much of very young children when actually they need us to be calm. You know, we, we talk hmm. about calm down, calm down. And in the history of being riled up, has anyone telling you to calm down actually calmed you down? <laughs> Can't it's think the same once. with children. If we want our children to calm down, in other words, to regulate, we have to see that we are the calm. We are the calm through which they are calmed. So that goes back to that self audit piece of check in with yourself. Everything is getting a bit hot and heated in here. I need to dial it down a couple of degrees. What kind of play is going to bring us down?
0: If there's one thing you could suggest to parents to do in terms of managing
1: playful parenting, what would you suggest? Be prepared. I think be prepared, be ready to play. And I, oh, I would never leave the house without, you know, those party bag size of bubbles in the glove box, in my pocket, in my handbag, whatever it is, have them everywhere. Because when, not if, it's all going wrong and you need them to get back to the car. They might chase the bubbles, especially if they had to pop them with their elbows or stamp on them with their feet. You might blow bubbles into the car for them to clap while you're wrestling them into that car seat. Bubbles are your friend. I would have an on-the-go play kit and I would just put simple things in that. I sometimes put like a large sheet of tinfoil because if we're in a waiting room, a cafe, in a situation where you have to sit and be, which is not the natural disposition of children, especially young ones. I would take the tinfoil and make tinfoil molds, get them to scrunch up their fist and take a mold of it and show them, you know, do their elbow, their knee, their shoulder, take different parts of them. A simple piece of tinfoil will do that. Mm. If you're caught on the hop, go into the bathroom and pull out a long stretch of toilet roll, wrap up their arms, have them wait, wait, wait and bust out on your cue chop through it in a karate chopping you hold hold out layers of it they chop through break them into individual squares roll them into balls and have a little snowball fight maybe not suitable in a cafe but there will be places you can do it and use yourself even when you're prop light so playing a simple game in the car like jelly and ice cream where you say jelly they respond ice cream but in the same tone of voice of you is just a really playful thing to do and it's also regulating you also talk about
0: bringing even the salt and pepper set you have On n- the table On the day you have nothing with you So what do you do with what's in front of you
1: And just do your small world play Salt says to pepper, pepper says back to salt And have them play out in front of you Or do you know what, if you have a pen in your handbag Do two eyes and a mouth on your index finger and theirs And have the fingers talk to each other Play is always possible Dr Joanna Fortune, child
0: psychotherapist Thank you for joining us today Thank you, Irene. Growing Pains, i.e. Parenting Podcast, in association with Safe Food, helping you make better food choices.